what's up everything in a week with plenty of controversy around the national hockey league the blues still managed to wind up with egg on their face by losing five to three to the chicago blackhawks even a team that doesn't want to win is good enough to beat st louis so where does that lead the blues we'll cover that ahead plus we'll touch on the canucks brutal and completely mismanaged firing of head coach bruce boudreau and a whole lot more it's a lot to cover so let's get started and let's go blues podcast it is what day of the week is it sunday january 22nd that's one month before my mom's birthday everybody so get ready be prepared (laughs) she's registered at target (laughs) whatever you do for my mom's birthday to celebrate you know because that's what time it is uh and we're back in what has been a tumultuous week in the national hockey league for a variety of reasons some we'll talk about, some have been discussed plenty by other elements, and maybe we won't talk about. But um, the one that we're going to talk about first, because it's the hottest news off the presses, um, is that Bruce Boudreaux has been fired from the Vancouver Canucks, which is the worst kept secret in hockey, uh, to be replaced by Rick Tockett, which is a also a poorly kept secret. And... Um, I hate the Vancouver Canucks. I I always they hated suck. the Vancouver Canucks when I grew when I was first a hockey fan because I hated the Sedin twins and how good that team was and they were always beating us and I hated that. And then I liked the Vancouver Canucks for a while because it seemed like they were kind of up and coming and exciting and they had a lot of young talent. And now I see that they're the worst run crap bag organization in this sport. And that includes the uh, Chicago Blackhawks, which is really impressive. And I hope they never win again in their life. And the Vancouver Canucks fans probably deserve better than that. But uh, I can't allow anyone in this front office to win anything ever again. And if you want to be a fan of them, through that that's fine but otherwise man just you know jump off the wagon um i don't even know like i don't know all the tendrils of this story but basically from the jump this year jared jared not jeremy rutherford jim rutherford jeremy rutherford was voicing this he was kind of publicly voicing his lack of support for the um for the uh, head coach in Vancouver and um, it never got better, but they didn't fire him. And then recently they've been very publicly and openly going through a search for his replacement mm-hmm. um, without firing him. And look, you know, we can make the jokes about Mike Yo that you want to make. It's fine. But if you're searching for the guy's replacement, just fire him and have Mike Yo be a coach for five days. Mm-hmm. It's not going to matter. Just give them in the dignity and the respect that he deserves as a beloved, you know, in a very beloved, very cherished human being in the sport, a very emotional guy who just loves to coach and, and loves, you know, being back there and behind the bench with players, give him a chance to at least have some dignity, but you couldn't do that. And, um, 
uh, I don't know. I'm just disgusted by the whole thing. Finally, today, they this morning, they announced that they're getting rid of Boudreaux and they're bringing in Rick Tockett. And I think that's the worst part of it too, for me, too, because Rick Tockett sucks. He's not any good as a coach. He's not. I mean, he's fine, but he's not better than Bruce Boudreaux. And he's not some guy that you had to have right this second or else, you know? Right. And it's just such a lame resolution and everything else. And I don't know. How are you feeling? What do you think of this whole thing? Because I'm certainly disgusted by it. Yeah, Rick Tockett's point percentage, like for his teams as his coach, he's coached 438 games in the NHL, uh, 178 wins, 200 losses, 60 uh, overtime losses or shootout losses. His point percentage is 0.475 or you know 47.5 percent of the points earned like that's not a good coach that's 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 below average um so i'm sure rutherford's bringing him in because of the the pittsburgh connection right he was uh a assistant coach in pittsburgh he was the phil kessel whisperer which is why he went to arizona to whisper to phil kessel uh yeah phil kessel's not in vancouver so i don't Mm. know what the deal is here but like i get that's your familiar guy and maybe you're trying to just stabilize this organization a little bit but like you did it in the most unstable way and i gotta say if you had um if you told me that when jim rutherford took over that this was going to be like crazier than when jim benning was there i would have never believed you like <laughs> It's gotten worse. Uh-huh. Um, at least all the Jim Benning stuff was like hockey uh-huh. operations, I guess. Yeah. You know, like uh-huh. literal, like that was a shit contract, dude. Like, what are you uh-huh. doing, sort of thing? Which, you know, when you're in the when you're in the moment, you don't like that either. But it's like, but this is like not only is it shit hockey like management because they've signed JT Miller for God knows why to that long, but they're mm-hmm. also like just shitty at managing the organization like behind the scenes. And there is no behind the scenes because Jim Rutherford, for whatever reason, I don't know how this works in hockey or how he's allowed to do this, is like an open book. The guy like just literally blabbers on about like what they're like. I don't know how everyone knew it was Rick Tockett, how everyone knew they were openly searching for another coach. There were interviews. They knew what days they were going to be on. Like they knew that like Sergey Gonchar was going to be one of the guys that they brought in as an assistant coach. Like all of this was known for like at least a week, like the actual details of what happened today. Um, and it's kind of baffling. And it's in a sport too, that really doesn't um, have that many leaks or prides itself on being very, you know, like team first and we're a family here and all that stuff. Like, I just think it's crazy that, there aren't more people in the sport, um, maybe like in the media, that aren't like dragging this organization. Like Thomas Drantz, who's like their beat reporter, I think for, I don't know if it's for the athletic or what, but at least he like drags this team. Like, I feel like I haven't really heard much from like Jeff Merrick or Elliot Friedman where they're like, oh yeah, they'll talk about it. And they'll be like, mm-hmm. it's kind of embarrassing. But then I feel like they're trying to like play They're nice with Jim Rutherford to too. Yeah. Yeah. Cause they gotta be like, well, he's our source, you know, we don't want to upset the sources or whatever. And it's just like, it's, it's embarrassing. It's super embarrassing. And like a league where you have the Arizona coyotes playing in a college, like for the next four years, you have the Philadelphia flyers 
and all their mess on top of like um Tortorella there I want to say talk it Tortorella like taking the iPads away from the team because they're like they look at the iPads too much um and treating them like babies like you had like so much you've got Florida and freaking Paul Maurice who like apparently hates all the refs in the league and thinks they're all like out to get him or whatever you have all mm. this shit going on and then this is like by far and away the most embarrassing and I don't I feel bad for Canucks fans because like I haven't seen a single Canucks fan be like no no this is the right move this is you know this is gonna be good for organization they're just like wow it's getting worse <laughs> like mm-hmm. how is this happening they're not gonna retain Bo Horvat even though they apparently said they're gonna try and make another run at him they're not he's gone you kept you kept the wrong guy you signed JT Miller you have OEL for too long it's not their fault but it's like you're stuck so I have no idea what this organization does really truly they should have not hired Rick Tockett because I'm so sorry Mike Yo but you're probably worse um and they should have kept Mike Yo in there as the coach and just fucking tanked like Mm -hmm. they need to tank and the Rick Tockett was going to be there in the summer that's the part yeah exactly no one's not no one's chopping at the bit for Rick Tockett yeah I, I just don't I don't get it. You mentioned, I think, Thomas Drance and his, you know, critical reporting of the team, and mm-hmm. he has done a good job. He had said in a tweet um, this morning, the Canucks had better be right about Rick Tockett. Maybe they are, but if you're trying to sell the story that Bruce Boudreaux was the problem for this team, well, as last night's warm send-off made clear, Canucks fans don't seem to be buying it. And that's the thing that the fan base here doesn't believe in this ownership they don't believe in um anything going on here you know and that sucks for them you know (laughs) it sucks for Bruce Boudreaux but it's ridiculous how badly this has been managed and it just it's one of those things that reminds you that the NHL is kind of a clown league and a parody league and I know Mm. There's stupid stories in every sport, but this this shit's just dumb. This this is just dumb. It's not like, you know, things happen in other sports. Things happen in other leagues. There are embarrassing stories. There's the Shannon Sharp thing, you know, at the Lakers game and stuff. That's mm-hmm. all dumb and stupid and, and sideshowy. But, like, this is just bad, plain, un- unprofessionalism, straight-up mismanagement, complete, completely, completely avoidable. And it just makes you wonder what else is going on behind the scenes there that gets to them, like you said, doing things like the JT Miller signing and letting um, Bo Horvat walk. And it also makes you think, why would anyone choose to stay there? Mm-hmm. Why would why on earth would Quinn Hughes, when he's a free agent in three, five or six years, whatever it is, and, you know, before then when it starts to come to that point where they have to deal with whether or not they can keep him, he's got four years left after this year. He's a UFA. Why would he not go join his brothers in New Jersey mm-hmm. or do anything else? But How long does Pedersen have? Doesn't he have even less? Didn't they sign Pedersen like has two years, but he's an RFA. Oh, okay. So, but I mean, he's going to be an RFA with a lot of control because I assume he's got only one year of control after that. So like... Right. You know, and he's got arbitration rights and they'll have to offer him a boatload to 
you that know, feels like a Matthew Kachuk situation. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. He <sighs> is going to make, what's his base salary? His base salary in his final year is 10.25 million. So yeah, he'll, they'll have to offer him a qualifying offer of 10.25 million. That's exactly the Kachuk. <laughs> and why would he stay? Why would anyone stay? I mean, you have to turn this thing around like quick because you've lost, you've most certainly lost the fans. You're losing the players. Like you have to, they don't believe in any of this. So you have to win because if you don't win, like that's the bottom line. If you don't win, they're not coming back. And the thing with like Vancouver I've heard is like compared to a lot of other um, Canadian markets, they're a big market they they generate a lot of money but they won't show up if they're bad like they'll Mm -hmm. like you'll have an empty arena in vancouver if they suck like you'll have some diehards that's canada whatever but like you'll have crowds of like whatever twelve thousand and stuff like a good a good third of it empty which is huge in canada because they because that fan base demands a lot for an organization that has never won a cup i give them credit because they like demand a lot which has always been surprising why they had Jim Benning for so long and it already feels like Jim Rutherford and them are like on the ropes um I don't know enough about Francisco Aquilini their like um owner, owner. but from the sounds of it he sounds like he's a pretty meddling dude and I'm sure some people would blame him for some of this as well but like I think there's been um talk about the fact that maybe Jim Rutherford was used to owners that just kind of let him do whatever he wanted to do. And now he's here and he can't manage this guy. I don't know how that plays into all of what's been happening here. Um, maybe it's the fact that he's having to deal with both ends of the, the stick here, but it's like, I don't know that Jim Rutherford is just like made for this anymore. He's like 70 something. He did great in Carolina won him a cup. He did great in Pittsburgh, got them two more cups or whatever. But like, you're like over the age of 70. This is yeah, and he like retired and then he like came this, back or whatever. It's like this just goes why. back. Sorry, I'm not trying to interrupt. No, 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 no. You're fine. But this goes back to our our conversation last time about um David Poyle. I, I, this I guess this is like the definition of ageism, but maybe stop letting 75-year-old guys run your organization. Maybe just stop doing it. Mm. Maybe. 65 is old enough like it's always been old enough to retire and let new blood take over you know but you've got david poyle he's 72 jim rutherford is 73 lou lamorello is god knows how old 80 something for real (laughs) yeah 80 flat and and to be fair lou's doing arguably a better job than those other two but like why why and it goes it also goes to the thing of like if someone has managed, unless they have been consistently successful, like Mike Tomlin, the coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers, is a great example. He's been there forever. They've almost never struggled. So, of course, you're not going to get rid of him. They've been good to extraordinarily good the entire time he's been their coach. And he's probably still only like 50. You know, he was hired very young. He's still relatively young. Haven't they so, only had like four coaches in their entire like existence? Yeah, That's crazy. Yeah, which is insane. He's yeah, he's currently 50, exactly 50. He turns 51 a month. Really? So oh like, my God. So they had him when yeah. he was like 30. Yeah, he <laughs> took over as their head coach in 2007 when he would have been yeah, 34. 
But like, that's, you know, that's a guy who's been there forever. But I've always said, and this is, you know, this will be true of Armstrong too. Like every 10 years, unless someone's just been outrageously successful, you should have a change of leadership in your organization. Mm -hmm. Just because if it, if it isn't proven yet, then thinking about it the same way, isn't going to solve it, isn't going to fix it, you know? And, um, Obviously, that's not the case with Rutherford because he's brand new in in Vancouver. But like, the Penguins let him go for a reason. The Canucks aren't getting any better. I would get rid of him incredibly fast. What, what is, is he, what does Patrick Alvine do? I don't know. Like, <laughs> he's Nothing. the literal GM there, and they never yeah. speak about him. He's like yeah. a he's pretty much a puppet GM. I'm sure much like that Ryan Murray guy or Murphy guy or whoever will one day be when we promote Doug Armstrong. (laughs) (laughs) I I just don't get any of that, you know, and uh, it's embarrassing. It's a shame. And like I said, I said this in a group thread, so nobody here heard it, but like um, if it had been John Tortorella behind the bench or Mike Babcock or, Mm whoever like that it doesn't make any difference it's still a crappy situation but like the fact that it's bruce boudreau who's like such a it seems like such an affable lovable guy clearly gets very emotional and cares about the game very much like Mm -hmm. that just does add a little bit of an extra slap in the face i think to this whole thing and um i'm glad it's over at least you know uh it's not beautiful um that the way it played out but hey it's done they can move on but they now have to figure out trading bro horvat and i was interested when um elliot friedman was talking about it today that bo horvat one of the top contenders for him is apparently um seattle which Mm -hmm. i found very interesting and uh i think it's just kind of funny that they would even be allowed to be in contention for that given that they are um you know the supposed arch rival of vancouver but for bo horvat like man what what a deal that'd be you just move 20 miles south 30 miles south you get probably presumably way better taxes and Mm. you play for a young up-and-coming well-run team or relatively well-run team versus Canucks and you get to stick it to the Canucks who I can only assume you pretty much hate now right? Um, you know like for the rest of your career like that'd be great for him so that'd be cool to see him go and that'd be a killer center group so like they would have Horvat um Beneers and like Gord and uh Shane Wright oh yeah coming up oh that's hot that's presumably, good I mean assume pres- presuming that they don't trade Wright or Beneers for Horvat which wouldn't make any sense but yeah, that'd be pretty sick. Um, but yeah, a Bruce Boudreaux situation is over, so we can stop talking about it. But it was just embarrassing, and and I felt like we had to say something. Uh, Ian, let's move on that to a team that, according to the Money Puck uh, pie chart that came out mm. this morning, has an 8.3% chance of even making the playoffs. Oh. And that's the St. Louis Blues. They are not good. And last <laughs> night's loss, I think, proves that. I wish they, I would have texted you last night. I wish I would have texted you before this game because I was going to tell you. I was like, I was like, they beat the National Predators 5 2. 
they looked they looked actually pretty good probably one of their better games like all things told and then i was like so this means they and they're playing the blackhawks who are starting like a goalie that's never played an nhl game like this is the biggest loss i've ever seen in my life this has to be a loss mm-hmm. and i was but then part of me was like no 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 though the even this team will beat the blackhawks let's be let, you know pump the brakes and then they didn't and i was like damn it i was right i should have texted you yeah uh, let's travel back in time to the end of december okay mm-hmm. we lost to the minnesota wild on saturday december 31st beat the maple leafs in overtime in a ridiculous game and shootout beat the devils then lost to the Canadians, a team you should never lose to. Mm-hmm. So that's loss, win, win, loss. We beat the Minnesota Wild three to nothing. Very good game. We beat the Calgary Flames four to three. Pretty impressive victory. We lost to the Flames and then we lost to the Tampa Bay at Tampa Bay. So that is loss, win, win, loss, win, win, loss, loss. Then we beat Ottawa. We beat Nashville, and now we lost to Chicago. So just from the beginning, one more time, loss, win, win, loss, win, win, loss, loss, win, win, loss. And that is a 500 team. That's what I just said was a 500 team. And we're beating some of the teams that we shouldn't beat, and we're losing to teams that we should absolutely destroy. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, if you lose to both the Montreal Canadiens and the Chicago Blackhawks, you don't belong in any sort of contender conversation. I know the I know the Maple Leafs just lost to the Canadians too. I know it can happen, but like people can't be seriously still thinking this team is a team that we need to try and get into the playoffs, right? People, mm. I mean, people are. There are people out there that still do, but yeah, I don't quite I don't know. understand what, that. Like when people are like, I'm still, I know we should sell and I want us to sell and things like that, but they'll be like, but I'm still rooting for some play, you know, for the playoffs. And I'm like, to, to watch what? <laughs> to, to like, to possibly like Cinderella your way through like a first round. Like it's not, it, people are always like anything can happen, but like no, no bad team that I can remember, no team that sucked ass and was like 500 and just squeaked on the playoffs, then won like any meaningful hockey games in the playoffs like the kings who weren't overly good in 2012 got crazy hot like in the last month of the year made the playoffs and then stayed hot but like we would have to do that starting like now right like it would just be there's no and there's no way that's going to happen because you've watched the the season because you've seen what this team is is they're 500 they're 500 team They've shown absolutely nothing to make you think, you know what? They're going to turn this thing around. There's no turning around. This mm-hmm. is it. Like, And to me, it's like, if you're watching it game to game, you want some fun hockey to watch. I get that. And like, there's still fun players like Kairou and Thomas and Bushnevich and, and things like that. But if you want like success for this team, you really should kind of be rooting them to miss the playoffs and like, mm-hmm. just have the best first round pick they can possibly get of their own and then, and trade off those assets. Really what you should be hoping is Barbashev, Tarasenko and O'Reilly look fucking dynamite through February. Just look outstanding. Mm-hmm. Just the goals, assists, fights, like, you know, just, just all the right stuff. 
Um, Barbie's doing his part, baby. Yeah, Barbie's got his, his Gordia hat trick last night. Um, he said he knows what it is, but he said he doesn't care. <laughs> but <laughs> I, I, you just need to maximize all your assets. Like people, mm-hmm. I see people that are like, well, if I would love it if we could sign them and keep them. Here's the other thing. I used to be like, yeah, that would be a lot of fun. Like that if we had the money and could make it work and they took less money. Sure, that would make sense. But actually, no, it wouldn't anymore because we've seen what this team is even with O'Reilly and Tarasenko. And sure, maybe they can play a little bit better and we have a little bit of a better record, but I still don't think that team is a cup contender anymore. So like, mm-hmm. I would never, honestly, re- I really don't it, want those guys for five, six, seven more years. Yeah, honestly. And I don't think this is recency bias too much, but if there was one that I was going to keep right now, probably would be Barbashev. Mm-hmm. Because as much as he's going to get some looks, I'm sure he'll probably get four million a year from somebody or something like that. But like he's not going to be like a hugely overpriced guy, and he's valuable. And you're going to see, you know, you're going to be able to play him up and down the lineup, and you drafted him and everything else. Like he's mm-hmm. the one guy that I would be most inclined to keep. And he's also only 27. You know, he just turned 27, so he's the youngest of those guys for by a ways, and the other two guys might be thinking they want six or seven or eight year deals. He's probably going to take a four or five year deal. Like, but I would still trade him in a heartbeat if we got assets for him, you know? And that's the thing I think everybody has to be considering here is like, this team needs assets. This team needs to build for the future. Every time, every time we lose one of these games, there's, you know, there are people on Twitter saying, well, you know, our goalie wasn't as good as their goalie and we got some rough bounces and, you know, Pareko looked terrible and we committed four unforgivable penalties and um, our shots didn't go in and the refs called, you know, a tight game and our coaching didn't make any sense. And we pulled the goalie with 17 minutes left, but what can you do? You know, it's just a game. <laughs> but sometimes you lose. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, I get it. And all the things added up to us losing to the Blackhawks. And there are multiple things you can point to. There's one central thing you can point to. And that's that we're not a very good team, you mm. know? And that's the thing about this. We're not a very good team. We're got, we've got, you know, games against the friggin' lightning recently, the flames recently, where we look outmatched the Toronto game, we won, but like, you know, we shouldn't have, and they beat us before that. And it, I don't know, you know, Vegas beat us. It's, we have, we, we have some fight. We can obviously score fairly well. We can keep ourselves in a lot of games purely by our ability to create chances and score, but we're not a good team. And now we've got to go, you know, we, we host Buffalo and then we go to uh, Arizona where it's not easy to play despite, you know, them being a bad team. We go to the Avalanche who are starting to get a little bit better, starting mm-hmm. to, you know, improve a bit. We go to Winnipeg, which is probably a nailed on loss, honestly, at this point. <laughs> and, you know, you can talk about maybe we don't have the strongest schedule left, maybe this, that, or the other thing, but like, it's one thing, you know, people, there will obviously be people who say, well, money pucks percentage doesn't matter. And that's fine. I get it, whatever. But 8.3% is not good. And even as we said, and I know you just said this, like, even if you smooth it together and make the playoffs, 
You're not going anywhere. You're not beating Colorado four games, seven games in a row. You're not beating Winnipeg seven games in a row. You're not beating Minnesota or Dallas seven games in a row. You know, you're not even beating Vegas or Seattle seven games in a row or Edmonton right now, I don't think. So, like, we are clearly, if you look at the top seven teams in the league right now, mm-hmm. which I think are those seven I just named, Dallas, Winnipeg, Minnesota, Colorado, Vegas, Seattle, and Edmonton, we're not in any of those teams league. And even if we're the best of the rest of that group, you know, even if you want to say we are better than LA and Calgary and Nashville, and, you know, obviously I would say we're better than Arizona and Chicago and San Jose and Vancouver and Anaheim. Even if you want to say we're the best of that next tier of LA, Calgary and Nashville, that's not that good. You know, (laughs) like that's not that impressive. And, you just, I know we, I mean, I guess we're kind of beating the same drum every week because it's, there's not that much else to talk about when they're an up and down volatile team that can't make up their minds what they want to do or how they want to play. But like, it'd be more fun if they just straight up suck. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's just like, I feel like I'm constantly trying to convince this imaginary person in my head that we're not good and that we need to retool and trade these guys and, and, think about the future hopefully the person i don't have to convince is doug armstrong but one thing i wanted to do is go back and look at the 2017 uh or actually 2018 would be a better probably indicator of um how that season went for the blues because that was when we decided to trade um which one What's was his name? 16, 17, we traded Stasny. Or no, 16, Stasny 17, we traded Shattenkirk. Yeah. 17, 18 was Stasny. Right. So, um, um, go ahead. I was, was going to say to your point, the Blues are, to your earlier point, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. They have the seventh easiest schedule from like a couple days ago through uh, the end of the season. But teams that have uh, ahead of them have easier schedules are the Oilers. The Avalanche, the Flames, uh, the Stars, and the Seattle Kraken. Like, granted, the Stars and Kraken are not catching anyways, but like the Oilers, the Avalanche, and the Flames all having an easier schedule than the Blues. Like, that's going to be hard to catch those teams when they're they have easier schedules, and if they win the games they're supposed to win, like you're going to have to keep pace and start winning games that you aren't supposed to win. You know, for the rest of your season. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a big indictment too is like this team, even in some of their wins looks like shit. Like I went mm-hmm. to the Ottawa game that was hands down the most boring blues game. I think I've been to mm-hmm. maybe it's just that I haven't been. This is the first one of the season or whatever, but like Man, it was Jacksonville Iceman game. That was mad. Lenny. Lenny See, that was probably way more exciting. Um, no, I'm not trying to interrupt or like derail you, but you're exactly right. And there's elements of this team. Like I know everyone wants to defend Jordan Bennington. It's not good. He's not, if even if you want to say he's not terrible, the dude's not good. Thing. The dude's not ch- winning this team games very often. He's, lo- I think it would be hard to argue sincerely that he's giving this team more wins than he is costing them wins, you know, mm-hmm. like, and I was like, very least, think... I was like, very least, he's like even out to like a non-factor, if that makes sense. Like, yeah. there's been some games where I'm like, oh, you look, you look pretty good in that one, or made some saves late. Um, 
there's other games where he doesn't look all that engaged and looks crappy like last night. And it's just like, okay, so he's fine. And it's, I don't know, that's just not, that's not good enough. If you want to try and sell this bill of goods to me, that like this team's like going to make it in the playoffs. Mm -hmm. I don't even think Jordan Bennington's the, the real problem here, but like you look at Colton Pareko. Okay. Defensively we're looking, I'm looking up at his, RAPM chart from evolving hockey defensively, not too bad, actually a little bit better than I would have thought offensively, like a literal black hole, it's just an absolute <laughs> black hole of, of offensive hockey. And listen, that's fine for like a, a second pairing defender. who's mm-hmm. just your penalty killer and everything. It can't be your top pairing defender. I'm sorry. You can't, that can't be your cornerstone defender in the modern NHL anymore. Nick Letty is not, you know, God awful, but he's negative on everything. Um, Again, he's, as people always say, they'll always say he's a great puck mover. I'm like, okay, but how does he defend? Yeah. <laughs> They're like, exactly. oh, well. Corey Krug, exactly as you'd expect, elite power play creator, pretty bad at everything else. Um, Justin Falk, I don't think has been nearly as good this year as he has been some other years, pretty bad defensively, still an offensive threat. I mean, it's just not a good defense right now. And I know we're, you know, beating a dead horse pointing that out, but like, that's the part you're, you're tied down to for a long time, unless you can find a way to unload one of these guys. And, and Hey, here's the thought, honest to God. If you trade O'Reilly or and Tarasenko and Barbashev and you get assets for all of them, maybe use some of those assets to unload one of these guys, you know, like real. figure stuff out, get creative. Cause there's no path to this team being a championship team that doesn't go through a retool or rebuild you or re whatever to use the quote <laughs> that defines the season. Man, he know he knew it. He knew what he was talking about. <laughs> he knew. He knew. And um I I don't know. I just need Doug Armstrong to stand up and say, you know what? No, <laughs> this is wrong. And he you won't did it, do Doug. it. You no. did it to yourself, Doug. And, I, you know, no, go ahead. No, I was just going to say some of the guys we do love this season, like Braden Shen, you look at his numbers, not impressive. His metrics aren't good. He's not like helping the team a lot. It's just not a good situation. We've got three really good young players in, you know, Thomas and Cairo and, and uh, Buchnevich who are players and pieces that you want to build around. Cairo is a little rough on the defensive side. That's no surprise to anybody, but like, <laughs> I just think that a lot of these, a lot of these questions aren't really questions anymore. And I pulled up the, um, the uh, season that we did trade Paul Stasny because everybody knew we were going to trade Shattenkirk. That was more of a, like, we can't keep him. They've got to get rid of him. Mm-hmm. Um, that was the year I believe after we'd lost um, Bacchus and whoever as well. Right. Oh yeah. Bacchus and Brower and Perron or wait, no, we brought Perron back. Were they there that order. season that we traded Shattenkirk and then we, Long no, they were gone. They, they were, were gone that summer. They were okay, gone the summer of 2016. Yeah. So we knew that. And then, um, man, isn't it crazy? That's God, it's coming up on a, almost a decade that we haven't had David Backus on this team. I don't like that. Oh, I know it's boy. not really, but like seven years is still too long. Um, but you look at that season on uh, January 20th, we lost 
this is an ironically familiar score line five to two to the Arizona Coyotes. Um, and that made us 28, 18 and three, which is decidedly better than we are right now. Now I know we started this season earlier. So if you want to go back to like the fourth of January, two weeks before that you were 26, 15 and two instead. Um, and then, you know, a big part of the reason we traded Sassany was this six game losing streak, seven game losing streak that we went on heading into the trade deadline. But like, I hope Doug doesn't need that kind of a result, that seven game losing streak to convince him that this is a seller this year. I, don't I was like, what, what are you at this point? You're like 34, 26 and four after all those losses. I mean, yeah. that's that's a skosh better than they are now, like in terms yeah. of like point percentage. So it's like, I don't care that the losses aren't, we didn't, I mean, we had a, a string of losses at the beginning of the season, right? But like, I don't care that our losses aren't like four or five in a row right now. The fact that you're constantly getting them like a couple a week or whatever should be good enough. Like, yeah, I can't imagine, you know, we've, we've, we love Doug. He's had some issues too, but like, I don't think he's like a moron. Like, I feel like also he's fairly good at trades. So that makes me feel good about trading away O'Reilly or Tarasenko or Barbashev. Like, I feel like at least he can get like good assets for them or things that we, we need. Um, I mean, the fact that you're Jeremy Rutherford's of the world who are pretty like milk toast in terms of like hot takes and stuff are out here saying on the athletic that like, what's the one thing your team needs to do, you know, at the trade deadline. And for the blues, he was like, uh, get assets for Tarasenko and O'Reilly or whatever. Like normally if you're really on the bubble, he'd be like, maybe they'll do it. Maybe they won't, I guess we'll see. Um, but that's, that's his take. So like, I don't know. I take, I actually take that with like a lot of, not as much grains of salt. I take that fairly seriously if he's out here saying that. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I think that's a, I think that's a really big point to make. Uh, interesting to check in on the um, Blues prospect rankings because the prospect pool um, for the athletic written by Scott Wheeler has just come out. Now, Wheeler has always tended to be less bullish on Blues teams than um, uh, what's his name, his counterpart, Corey Pronman. Mm. But uh, actually get, moved us from 24 to 19 this year. Uh, which I think is very encouraging. And, you know, for a team that hasn't drafted a lot lately and hasn't added a lot of young talent, I think 19 is a pretty promising place to start from. And a big reason that we're moved that high is Jimmy Snuggerud, who obviously is having a phenomenal season. Wheeler writes, one of the hottest prospects in hockey and maybe the most impressive non-Adam Fantilli freshman in college hockey. Snuggerud has gone from B-plus prospect to A-grade prospect or close this season. Every piece of his game has elevated, plus shot, plus skill, good enough skater, hard on pucks, hunts pucks, consistently impact finding ways to release and move as soon as he has made his play so that he can get open for the next one again it's all there right now add in an extra step from a standstill and he's on an exciting path we all should have seen it coming maybe too when i pulled last year's us ntdp players national team development program for their most underrated he was basically the unanimous answer given that he played on a line with logan cooley and cutter Gauthier, and a team that has also featured other top forwards including speedy frank nazar and the likable rutger mcgrody him flying under the radar shouldn't surprise 
Snuggerud is a well-rounded three-zone player with a versatile offensive game who works as hard as anyone out there. His head is always up on a swivel, even in congested areas. He's good below the goal line and makes a lot of low-to-high plays into the slot to find cutting teammates for chances. He sticks with the plays and follows shots to the net to get rebounds, plays a determined four-checking game. Dangerous one-timer, catch-and-release wrister, but he doesn't tunnel vision for his shot. He sees the ice fall and he can make plays back against the grain. Good hands, which help him outside and plays to beat, help him make outside in plays to beat defenders one-on-one more than he gets credit for. He uses space well, makes a lot of plays off his backhand. On top of it all, he's got a good pro frame to build upon in a June birthday that gives him good runway. With a top with the right development, there's a top six winger there. Um Oh, on Bullduck, he says, uh, in the dozen games after he was cut by Hockey Canada, Bullduck registered an astonishing 14 goals and 26 points on 70 shots. That league's sec- the league's second most productive player in points per game at the time of writing this, behind only the Blue Jackets' Jordan Dumay. Bullduck's looking like a player who won QMJHL Rookie of the Year, was named the QMJHL's top prospect in the 2021 draft, was drafted in the first round, and is on path to the NHL. That's particularly notable after he came through the pandemic, a pair of injuries, and an appendectomy. I didn't even hear about that in a short period of time. Um, I see a talented winger who can play on or off the puck effectively and create offense in a variety of ways. He's got projectable second-line upside. Uh, he's always been a little lower on Jake neighbors than the consistence, but he has slowly grown on me over the years. Although I don't think he was at his best in the WH playoff WHL playoffs, or when I saw him in St. John at the MIM cup last season. Um, he has met reservations about his ability to develop into more than an impactful third line winger, but he has shown skill to complete complement his tenacious, heavy four tracking style. Um, then he has Simon Robbins, Robertson, who's a player no none of us probably know a lot about in mm. uh, Sweden. Uh, he says, a very tentative ranking. I think there's a case for the next half dozen names after Robertson on this list to slot ahead of him. Um, but he's got age and steady progress. Uh, he had him ranked 30th on his final list in the year we took him, and we got him at 71. He's not convinced he has a defining skill that will skill that will propel him into a scoring role at the NHL level, but it's not hard to imagine him as a middle six guy in a few years with the right patience, et cetera, et cetera. Joel Hofer is fifth. Um, he says, I'm not ready for bet against him finding his way into the NHL, even if that's not as a starter or even a 1A. Alexandrov is sixth. Noah Beck, the right-handed defenseman at Clarkson University, um, he says maybe the best defenseman in the blues or best story, excuse me, in the blues pool pool in the last two years, Beck has turned some heads in the f- hockey world with his emergence in college, ho- college hockey, the older brother of flames prospect, Jack Beck. Noah is a rangy six foot four defenseman who sits second on Clarkson in scoring and has proven an influence play proven. He can influence play at both ends. Uh, he's not a powerful player, but because the skating is a real asset and he's got a good stick he's his length helps keep him to the outside and disrupt opposing carriers a rangy fast six foot four defender uh, can anyone else see jay bowmeister here I, <laughs> i'm certain this is the next jay bowmeister uh he Flip doesn't it. lack confidence in possession okay it's not jay bowmeister <laughs> <laughs> um 
I expect he'll get an NHL deal, and if he stays on this track, I won't be surprised if he climbs through the AHL to the NHL. Doesn't hurt that he's a righty either. I debated debated ranking him a couple of spots lower here, but repeat viewings just keep leaving me impressed. Um, mm-hmm. And he says, watch how number 18's skating helps him control the play here. I can't even see number 18, you idiot. Um. Look, there he is, Ian. He's that guy <laughs> behind the net. Oh, look at him. Wow, Turn circles on everybody. People love when we do live commentary. Yeah, folks, you get, folks, are you, Ooh, can you see this? Look at that one-timer, baby. Look at that one time. That wasn't a muffin. That for sure was no, no that, muffin. No. Who was, look, they, no, they, have, they have him was, rated higher than Tyler Tucker, who's currently on the team. Yeah, wasn't <laughs> the guy who's wasn't the guy who had a muffin named, oh, no, David Noel, not Noah. All oh, right, boy, Tyler Tucker is eighth. Says he's tricky to figure out, but it doesn't take one to realize what Tucker is. He's what you see is what you get player for better and for worse. Um, He's a throwback who can lack discipline in multiple areas, but opposing players will tell you and have told me they don't like playing against him. He'll become a third pairing guy at the next level if his feet, which are a little sluggish, can hold up. I don't think he'll be more than that, though. Michael Buchinger, a left-handed defenseman with Guelph, um, is uh, number nine. And Vadim Jarenko, our backup goalie in Springfield, is number 10. Uh, The ability is there, and now it's just about getting him continued reps in the AHL so that by the time his entry-level contract uh, is nearing its end, you can begin to test him in the NHL and decide on a second contract or greater role. If they stick with it with him, there's some promise. Uh, Alex Santeri Kaskamaki is 11th, Matt Kessel 12th, Arseny Kormilslav, I, I know how to pronounce all these guys', guys names, as a left-handed defenseman, defenseman he's at 13 mark andre godet is 14 he's a left-handed defenseman with shearbrook tanner dickinson is 15 um and he puts them into tiers the first tier being uh snuggaroo bulldog and neighbors the next tier being pretty much everybody else and then the final tier being Korom kormislav uh godet and dickinson uh, to round it out. So, you know, some exciting things there. I do think Snuggaroo probably we haven't talked enough about just how uh, much he's taken a step forward this year. Um, right. Probably similar, you know, not to overhype him, but similar to the uh, step that Robert Thomas took the year after his draft, where we were pretty excited and liked him as a player when we drafted him. And then he suddenly developed into, oh, this guy's like a real gem in our, in our organization, which is good because I think, you know, when Bill Armstrong left, I certainly had some, um, I don't want to say doubts, but some concerns about uh, our group and uh, our drafting mm-hmm. and how that would hold up uh, because it had been such a value to us for so long. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I think it looks good that we've gotten some gems there and have some players. We continue to not apparently bust on our first round picks, which is I think a huge deal. I mean, the only bust we've had since Jaden Jaden Schmaltz, Jordan Schmaltz, Jordan Schmaltz, uh, was um, Dominic Bach, and we traded him. You know, so mm-hmm. um, yeah. I mean, I think it's been good to see us do that. Anything else you want to talk about before we go into the O'Reilly story? Tarasenko's tenth anniversary. 
Yeah, I think, um, when was that? It was earlier this week. I want to say maybe it was like the 19th, uh-huh. um, which it's, is crazy. It's the think. anniversary of his first game where he did the right. two, two goals, goals against Detroit. Yep. That's one of those um, one of those replays that's like burned into my mind where like when I rewatch it, I'm like, I know everything about this replay already. I know all the words that Pang says and I have all that stuff because it was just, it was electric. I remember literally jumping out of my seat when he scored. And that was like the first goal um, of the season because it was the first game of the season after after a partial lockout. So like already it was like, yeah, hockey's back. And Tarasenko's over from Russia. And he scored the first goal for the Blues this season. It was like, it was so good. And then they scored the second one. It was just like icing on the cake. Um, I'll be sad to see him go. I mean, really... He's been here 11 seasons. This is his 11th season. Um, he's he's up there. He's top like 10 in goals. He's he's up there in points too, or even just like games played for the Blues. Like he's going to be an all timer for this team. Um, and I wish I wish he was still as good as he was even a couple of years ago. And I wish that the surgeries they performed him in, performed on him had worked out better and that the relationship with the team hadn't soured so much like I think he'll always love the city and the fans and like his teammates and everything it's just you know it soured a bit with like the the behind the scenes personnel on the front office here and so I really him moving on is like I really don't have any any ill will towards it like it's it sucks I wish he'd stay but um I'll always remember like essentially the entire like 2010s is like the Vladimir Tarasenko era of the Blues. I mean, Mm -hmm. even if he wasn't here the first couple years, he got drafted in 2010. So like from that moment on, this was sort of like the story of the Blues. And for a long time, he was the goal scorer, you know, Um, up until Kyra pretty much came here, you know, in in the late 2000s or whatever, or the early 20s. Are we comfortable calling this the 20s now? Uh, yeah i'm not i'm not okay with that but like that's what as we get older and more you know and and the old people die off that's what people are going to call (laughs) us and it's going to bother me because it's like no i learned about the 20s in history class and my kids will be like yeah me too the 2020s and i'll be like oh no (laughs) um no the 20s the 20s was when uh the dollar tanked and there was uh, a pandemic and they'll be like mm-hmm. yeah the 2020s um but yeah it's it's kind of crazy to me to think that he's like 30 I, what he's younger than me he's like 31 mm-hmm. i still remember that baby face boy coming over here and playing and it's just and now he's got children and he's married he's all grown up um i just i love him It'll be different. It's going to be different. David Backus, not in the Blues, was different. Alexander Steen, gone from this team, different. But Vladimir Tarasenko off this team, I think that's, I think that's king different. That's like, oh, this is, this is weird. Especially when he's like on the Carolina Hurricanes. I'm like, what? Mm-hmm. Huh? Aren't you just supposed to be done now? You can't like go play somewhere else. I think it's going to feel very Piran-esque. Like not in the same sort of like, how could you do this Doug Armstrong way? But like in a just like, ooh, that's not <laughs> that's not right. 
you know, some fucking social media team and and Florida is going to be tweeting like Panther all timer Vladimir Tarasenko, and you're gonna be like, no, oh no, that's not good. That's not acceptable. No, that would make uh, me very upset though if he was if he pulled a Marty Broder and he was just like on this other team and he's like, this is my team. This is and <laughs> and this is where all my friends are and this is, this is what I'm known for. And you're like, no, this has always been my team that's right um speaking of things that will make me very upset ryan o'reilly to the minnesota or to the Ta- toronto maple leafs how do you feel about that um it's certainly a rumor i don't know if it's like a. it feels sort of like a manufactured rumor uh-huh. but i mean jeremy rutherford wrote an article for the athletic where he teamed up with uh, Jonas Siegel, who's the uh, beat writer for the Maple Leafs on the Athletic, and they sort of talked about what a a O'Reilly trade to the Leafs would look like because the Maple Leafs sort of make sense, I guess, for mm-hmm. O'Reilly. They could play him at wing, they could play him at center. They if they play him at center, they could play Tavares on his wing. They could play O'Reilly as the third line center um, and have Matthews, Tavares, O'Reilly, which I gotta say is really freaking good. Um, I think the thought process for the Maple Leaf speed writer, though, was the cost of this. So it seems like he's down for a first, down for them trading a first, but it seems like anything else is going to be too much uh, in his consideration. Like, I think Rutherford was like, oh, we could try and get... Um, nice from them and i think he was like yeah you could but i don't think they're gonna do that um Mm -hmm. i I don't really know what other players they have in their in their pipeline for the blues to poach um i don't know if i'm just a basic bitch but like i don't they just gave us a first i'd be like okay um should i should i ask for more i'd be a shitty gm because i'd be like this is good like he didn't even ask for any of our other players. <laughs> like, I don't know what else they will, would be willing to give us. So I'll take a first. Literally, if you got a first for Tarasenko and a first for O'Reilly, I would love more. But if that's all you got, I don't think I could be that upset, especially um, if they're not like if there's not some deal in place for whatever team we trade these guys to to resign them. Like it's a rental and. I don't know. I mean, maybe you get like a, a okay prospect. I just can't imagine asking for a first and like their best prospect for e- for, for any team for either of those guys. Maybe yeah. if they were having just like a lights out seasons, if you got like Tarasenko on like a 40 goal pace, I'd be like, yo, I need more than the first for this shit. Come on now. I'm giving you like a freaking 45 goal score. But if you just have guys that are going to kind of, I don't know, buoy your lineup a little bit, Tarasenko might be top six. I feel like O'Reilly on any team you're trading to, if they have cup aspirations, probably already is pretty deep at center, um, at least in their top two lines. So I would assume they're playing them down the lineup. So I get that they're like, yo, we're not going to give you like a first and our best prospect for a third line center. Like, come on. So I don't know. I think these guys fit anywhere so long <laughs> as they give us the first round pick. Um I think Toronto makes sense just because they're high profile and they probably need to do something like, do they actually know, but like this team is so good that it's like, I don't know. It's like a weird bell curve thing, right? If you're, if you're all right, 
and you're going to make the playoffs, you need to get better. So you'll mm-hmm. make a trade. If you're if you're already like a solidly good team and you're going to make the playoffs, they're like, we're not going to make any trades. We don't, we don't want to fuck with this. But if you're like an insanely good team and you're like, dude, mm-hmm. this is like the cup for us. This is cup or bust. Then you make a trade. It's like... If you're okay, trade. If you're if you're good, no trade. If you're fantastic, trade. Because <laughs> like, they're like, we can't just fuck. We can't fuck with this. We're never gonna be this good ever again. We gotta go for it. Um, you undercook chicken. Trade. Yeah. You overcook fish. Believe it or not, trade. <laughs> undercook, right. overcook. <laughs> I just feel like if it's not O'Reilly, and now we're going a whole different direction. I feel like Toronto's gonna make some sort of like first rounder out the door trade uh-huh. um let it be us <laughs> sure why not because i mean ryan o'reilly is not winning them a cup they're not going to win a cup that's fine Don't worry about <laughs> we, it. Like, we know come on guys, uh, come guys on. go on come doesn't on. matter who they trade for <laughs> so, uh and plus they're most likely to get bounced in the first round right so like give me that first rounder that's you know a little closer uh to the to the top than than anybody else i don't want boston's first rounder fuck that's gonna be number 32 like yeah i don't want that shit um it's interesting though i find these articles really interesting because i like to see especially as we head towards the trade deadline what makes sense what's the like throwing shit at the wall and what sort of things were the other beat writers like yeah i'm hearing that too and it's like ooh, spicy Mm -hmm. um I want to get first round picks for both Tarasenko and O'Reilly. It would be fun if one of them was a botch deal, just because that's just like fun to talk about. <laughs> mm-hmm. Just make it spicy. Be like, oh, well, Tarasenko only got us a fourth, but they also got us like a fun Russian defender who's big. And it's like, oh, no, Dougie, you fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> you shouldn't have traded with Iserman, you idiot. You moron. Yeah, I would just hope we need that Martin Erat move, baby. That's what we need. Oh, yeah. We need somebody to be like last second of the trade deadline. Holy shit, I got to get Vladimir Tarasenko. Here's, you know, fucking chain right or whatever. <laughs> just like, oh, we need him. We need him. Fucking need Vladimir Tarasenko. Uh, he is the whatever that guy's name is of 2023. The better good eve. That's what I was. Oh yeah, front kick. Um, Have you seen the All Star jerseys? Yeah, they. I like them. They're really good. I know some people hate them because they don't like freedom. Or, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I like that they basically did reverse retro um, All Star jerseys. They did Uh like late 90s or something jerseys and they like spice it up with like a miami miami color base and everything like they look uh-huh. pretty cool um it's too bad they're for the all-star game you know because like no one cares about that but you know good times yeah um or how how close are we to that are we two games away from the break already i think so uh well let's see here's where's the blues.nhl.com schedule.nhl.com um no, we've got a few more. Oh, we four have games. Four games. Yeah. Okay. Um, That's a oh shit. We got that whole week and a half off, baby. Oh damn. Please, I, you know, you listen to this podcast, you know who we are. So I don't think it's, I don't think it's going to turn you off for me to say. I hope we lose these next four. Games. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> you know, if you're new to this podcast in this episode, you're probably like, Jesus Christ, fuck <laughs> this podcast. I love the blues. I love the blues too. Sometimes I love them. Love. I love them enough to hope that they fail. That's right. <laughs> That's right. That's my cross to bear. Okay. <laughs> you don't know my pain. Don't pretend to know my pain. That's exactly right. That could be the four losses in a row that Doug needs to be like, all right, all right. No, I was, I was, I was, I was wrong. too. It's my bad. That's my bad. <laughs> You're right. Give that, it could be. Give, give me that, uh, that update. Give me that, that ding on my phone. Something fun, something spicy. Yeah. And Ivan Varashev is now a member of SKA St. Petersburg. <laughs> and we, and we get, what's his name? The, the Matt Vaymichkov back. <laughs> we get one uh, one trade. allocation money. That's right. Well, allocation disorder. It's, it's all gone. The allocation oh, I never knew what it was and now I don't know what it wasn't. So, <laughs> you know. Hey, at least uh, we're only like a month away from soccer. Yeah, you know? that's true. A month away from real MLS soccer, which is pretty sick. I mentioned I got to go to the Jacksonville Iceman game this week. It was oh, yeah. it was uh, Wizard Night, so I got a nice uh, Ravenclaw esque Jacksonville Iceman uh, scarf. Oh, they cool. had a uh, they had uh, I actually have like four or five of them somehow. So <laughs> you, you stole them off of children. Yeah, I mean they're made of like felt, but if you want one, I'll happily <laughs> give you one. Um, but uh, they had the little, I they you know, ECHL goes hard with the alternate jerseys. So they had like Hogwarts jerseys. It was pretty nuts. The front like was like a, you know, like a suit and tie almost like they wear under their robes. And then the back, the numbers were in like Harry Potter lightning font. So that was cool. But the coolest part, I when we leave the game, our boss, which my boss pulls crap like this all the time which by crap, I mean, incredibly nice gestures to do nice <laughs> things for other people. But he's like, hey, we got to meet by the cow behind the section when we're all done. And I thought he's just like to take a group photo, you know, because mm-hmm. he took a bunch, of, a bunch of us out there. So we get back there and suddenly he's ha- handing me a waiver to sign. And I'm like, okay, what am I waving? And he was like, oh, to go out on the ice. And I was like, excuse me? So they walked us down and we got to walk out onto the ice at the um whatever this arena is called the uh, i can't think of the name vistar veterans memorial arena in downtown jacksonville the echl and baby i now know what it feels like to be one of those trainers shuffling along you know the little shuffle that they do it's kind of funny. It was not like as slippery and dangerous as I thought it would be, but it was, it definitely felt very like, I don't know what's going on. I could lose <laughs> myself at any moment, you know, uh, it, it was, it was, it was an adventure and um, I'm glad I got to take it, but yeah, it was a lot of fun. So, you know, shout out to to Morgan who allowed that to be possible and happen. You know, he'll never listen to this. <laughs> shout <laughs> he out. Might. To him. He That's might, cool. he could. He could. Who knows? How are the How are the uh, Icemen doing? What's their What's their record? Uh, they are pretty good, I think. Let's see, ECHL standings. This is gonna hurt. I'm gonna have all my illusions shattered. <clears throat> Let's see. They had the All Star break recently. The Jacksonville Icemen. Ooh, they're in fifth in the South Conference. So not so good. They lost to the South Carolina Stingrays that night. Can you name the seven teams in their division? 
<laughs> um, okay, so the South Carolina Stingrays. That's one. I gave the, you one. It's got to be the Orlando Solar Bears. Uh, that's two, baby. And you got the Jacksonville Iceman. That's three. Okay. Then there's there's a Swamp Rabbits team. That's correct. Greenville Swamp Rabbits. That's Very right. nice. I looked it up one time because they're like crazy. Um, is there still a that team logo as a angry rabbit holding a carrot stick? Oh, there's another. There, a lot of these ones down south are really cool names. Um, one of them is like the Florida Everblades, right? The Florida Everblades are first in the division. They're 23 wow. and eight. Right. Where are the Florida Everblades? Are they like more. Miami? I mean, it has to be, right? Everblades. Estero, Florida. Where the hell is Estero, Florida? It's got to be Miami area, right? <laughs> no, that's like Tampa. All right. Okay. okay. All right. Let's see. Okay. Okay. Some okay. more. Um, oh, I know one. Is there, there's another one. Is there still one in, um, God, what is the name of that freaking town? Is there an Ice Pilots? Ice Pilots. Uh, no, but there is something that almost exactly rhymes with that. <laughs> what? The pilot? Ice Pirates? Yes, <laughs> yes pilot? it is Pirates. It's Ghost Pirates. The Savannah what? Ghost Pirates. Oh, that is a new team. Yeah, which maybe they replaced the Ice Pirates. Um, and Pensacola I, was the thing I was thinking of. They had like ice pilots, I swear. And the the team that you don't have yet, which yeah. Ian, I'm so impressed by your performance, the uh, Atlanta Gladiators are the last. Oh, okay, okay. Um, the Ghost Pirates, I believe, are the ECHL team for um, the Vegas Golden Knights. Oh, I'm pretty okay. sure it's some crazy Golden Knights, Silver Knights, Ghost Pirates. <laughs> you know that good old uh, Pokemon evolution. Uh huh. Oh, classic. Yeah, that's a very Squirtle. That's war, true. Blast a one-year affiliation with the Vegas Golden Knights and their American Hockey League team. I know a lot about the ECHL Southern Division. <laughs> that's right. Those Ghost Pirates look like they could have some pretty sick uniforms. There was somebody at the Blues game that I was at that had a Orlando Solar Bears jersey on and it had reeves on the back and i was like ryan reeves possibly i don't know let's see ryan reeves does anyone not know a lot about the orlando solar bears um reeves 33 five former solar yeah reeves 33 joined the solar bears during the nhl lockout of 2012 2013 before returning the st louis blues later that season oh that's dope That's awesome. I love it. Well, there he is. Oh, man, those jerseys are sick. See, hockey, have some fun. (laughs) Jesus, have some fun. There needs to be purple in this league, for God's sake, somebody. For the love of God, if it's not going to be the Kings, they're going to pussy out of it. Please, like Minnesota Wild, just change to like purple, <laughs> like so, you know, in, in association with the Vikings. Yeah, um, like somebody, somebody snap up purple. I agree. Two, there's a thousand black jerseys. There's like ninety blue jerseys, and there doesn't need to be one. By the way, there does not need to be a single black jersey. Oh yeah, it's just 
I, I, what I hate is when your team is does not wear black. If you're like the Toronto Maple Leafs, like we made a black Toronto Maple Leafs jersey, like why the fuck would you do that? <laughs> Why'd you do that for? Anytime I see the blue, I don't see them very often, but there's like a blues jersey that people have where it's all black. I think the NHL is selling these weird like blackout jerseys like in the early 2010s, and I've seen a few. They have like a little bit of color on them, like as an outline. But I've seen people like, oh, this needs to be an alternate jersey. I'm like, why the fuck would the Blues wear an all-black jersey? Are you stupid? Yeah, I don't like it. I don't, I don't like uh-uh. Don't make jerseys darker and less colorful. These are the same people that would be like, oh, but the whites should be the homes now. Mm-hmm. It's like, stop it. Stop. <laughs> stop the oh, old. Oh, that's another thing. I don't understand why we wore whites at home against the Predators and they wore the reverse retros yeah in st louis and people are like they're trying to promote them and i'm like to st louis man <laughs> it's like <laughs> oh shit look at that i gotta give me one of them especially that one of all of them is like it's fine but it's also yellow which is like ours so like i don't yeah. i'm not gonna get that one of any of them yeah very weird exactly i don't know weird. <laughs> it is what it is uh all right well that's the blues covered that's done and dusted hockey this week was a tough ride for the world so um (laughs) maybe we should end this failed experiment of a sport (laughs) that's right i am all about the handball world cup now that's what i'm all into Mm -hmm. it's not true but my uh, german co-worker does keep talking about it and he keeps suggesting we'll watch handball games together and then he doesn't do it so you know screw you nicholas that's what i said i could have become i could have become the best handball fan you know, like mm. Kabaddi, but for 2023, the future of, of sports, but yeah. he refuses to watch it. On the so. Ocho. Anyway, I am going to go get a haircut. Ian, you are going to go um, falsify some Hogwarts uh, admission letters for right. your family and friends. So we've got a lot of a busy afternoon ahead of us. But for everyone who chose to listen to the end of this podcast, as always, thank you. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you. And our apologies. If you want to leave us a review, do it after another podcast. Maybe maybe give us another try. (laughs) (laughs) You got to average it out. That's right. uh, That's right. That's right. Uh, And yeah, we will talk soon. We will have four more games until the all-star break. And then we'll have to, just fill the airwaves with something during that all-star break. But hey, you know, Movie there's always reviews. time. Oh, baby, let's do it. I love it. All right, folks, that's it. It's done. We're done. Goodbye. Have a great night. Whatever. Whatever time you're listening to this, enjoy it. And Be whatever. Yes. Don't forget my mom's birthday in a month. Thanks, everybody. <laughs> See ya. Just dancing in the dark